the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Tom Fernelli. That's Bud Elliott. I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash cover three and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand. Thanks for hanging out. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like and come and join us in the chat, a.k.a. the Cover 3 tailgate. Rocking and rolling. Yeah, we're not muted. We just spent too much time laughing. Oh, we'll tell you about that later. All right, so listen. <laughs> we're, we're sitting you here. We It is not necessarily a big after dark night. We had 11 ranked teams that were all kicking off between 6.30 and 8 p.m. A lot of action all wrapping up. We're going to get to all of that right here. And so that's why I'm excited. Like This instant reaction show is going to give you a good sense of what happened in week seven in college football. So before we get out of here, yes, we're going to be on Notre Dame putting the work to Caleb Williams. We're going to be on... North Carolina, Miami. We're going to be on what happened all throughout the top 25. Tennessee getting it done against Texas A&M. We're going to be on Washington State. What happened? And much more. But we got to begin in Seattle. Where Michael Penix Jr. put on just like the absolute clinic of clinics on a day where, and we don't need to go Heisman Trophy here because there's so much. Heisman. Sorry. Right? <laughs> like, we don't have to do that, do we? No. Okay. No. So, because this is what I was looking at. Um, I live logged this game for CBSSports.com. They both still play four teams that are ranked in the top 25 heading into the weekend before the end of the season. There's still so much work left to be done. But, man... When Washington needed to get it done at the very end, and we're going to talk about Dan Lanning's fourth down decisions. We're going to talk about how awesome Bo Nix was on the road with zero turnovers. Clean game for Oregon. Okay, okay, that's fine, that's fine. We'll get there. What are the biggest... Do you take Washington more seriously here at 11.37 p.m. Eastern time, Tom, than you did at the beginning of the day? No. Okay. They were a wagon before. They're still a wagon now. Oh, no, 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 no. Come on. You you said they were a wagon. They were a wagon. You, you, you said they this were is a what wagon. Wagons win games. You said they were a wagon. You took Oregon plus three. I did, and I got a push. 
that Washington won hey. the game. Like it's no, I, I this is that that's who Washington was. I mean, they're gonna score. Bush. <laughs> they're gonna score a bunch of points. They're gonna be very dangerous on offense. I mean, Panix threw for three hundred, the four touchdowns. Adunze had 128 yards. Polk had 118 yards. Johnson rushed for 100 yards. Like, they are a team that offensively will be able to do that to just about anybody. Because, I mean, Oregon, <clears throat> Oregon's defense had looked good this season until today. And then defensively, they're going to give up points. It's just going to be a thing of can we, you know, outscore you? And they can outscore most teams. So, no, my opinion of Washington didn't change today. And my opinion of Oregon didn't change today. It was just a really good classic Big Ten battle, and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> I think Tom nailed it. Like both these football teams are really good football teams. I I really don't think that that Oregon played that bad a defense. I, I, I honestly like they harassed Penix. They they matched routes pretty well, and they challenged Michael Penix to make difficult throws. And those those Washington receivers to make big time catches. And they did on both accounts. Like they, they said, Hey, Washington, like, we're not going to give you the layups. Can, can you make these hard shots? And Washington did, and you know, deserved to win the game just as much as Oregon did. Like they did a great job. Uh, that was, that was really impressive. I, I, I want to see that again. Like I, I sign me up. I, I'd love to see that game played again. And I, mm-hmm. I come at it with like, yeah, is, is Penix the front runner for the Heisman? Yeah. Did he win the Heisman today? No. That's it's it's too early. There's still too many guys that we'll talk about even on this show. But I mean, that was a hell of an effort from them. I thought Dylan Johnson came up really big for Washington as well, just giving them some balance running the football, right? The Mississippi State transfer. And it was basically all on him running it because their other back, as we know, uh, went down in the preseason. I mean, Odunze and Polk were, were big time. Um the, the third kid who I, I named, I'm blanking now that Giles I'm on the air, Jackson. of course. Yeah, like, yeah. dude, that was big for them as well. I I was pretty impressed with, with what Washington did. I thought their interior offensive line held up enough, right? Like, we knew the tackles were really good. We, we thought that there may be some problems on the interior. Oregon got some interior pressure, but Washington did enough uh, to keep Penix clean. And, you know, look, I thought Oregon looked really damn good on offense, too. It just... Times you don't punch it in, right? Like that's gonna happen. They they, they would have five hundred something yards of offense, I, and I, I mean, I'm sure Tom and I will argue with each other over this, but I I didn't have a problem with the end game decisions, you know. Like it, people. I'm, I'm sure I think the chat does. The only fourth down decision that I had a problem with from Dan Lanning was the decision to go right before the half instead of kick. Because mm, it, that's you're, interesting. You're, you're down four. Yeah, Dan Lennon said the same damn thing. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, after the game, okay. he said right before half was the only one that I looked back at, and I said, "I, you know, wish we, wish we could have taken the kick right there." He and said, I understand I, the math. And, and he said on, uh, you know, third and one, I wish we had gotten the one. Sure. You know, like he, you know, sort of unpacked it all the way through, and and he said it was 100 percent on me. You know, just like came out from the jump, said this result is on me. Did not try to put the blame anywhere else. Not on the kicker that missed the game tying uh, field goal, and you know, not on any of the other failures that happened on those fourth down conversions in scoring position in the red zone. But 
Um, oh, he, Bo Nix was the, at fault for the one, not not Dan Lanning. It's nice of him to yeah. take the blame off him, but if Bo Nix makes right, a good I, throw I was just saying that, that like Dan, Dan Lanning in his moment with the media after a heartbreaking loss on the road to Washington in a game where Oregon outplayed Washington all through the second half, like three and out, three and out, three and out. Like Oregon's defense was cooking. They were heating it up on Michael Penix. And like you mentioned, the the running game that Washington had going in the first half, that was not at all rolling in the second half. It was really having to be some hero ball situations for the Huskies to be able to get any kind of rhythm going offensively. And yet, those empty possessions, those empty points in a game that's decided by three, just, ugh, it hurts, man. Really hurts. I, I will say... Like I, I'm fine with him if he didn't like the original one before halftime. I get it. I didn't really have a prop that big of a problem. Well, with well going into the halftime, he said we're an aggressive team. That was yeah. the thing. It's like he told the broadcast, "You know who you are. You're yeah, playing who exactly. you are. You're not changing your identity." It you're went not, for two after the first touchdown. Yeah, you're not turtling up. You're doing what you do, which is yeah. fine. Yeah. And agreed. the other, the second fourth down attempt, like I said, that was Bo Nix throwing a ball at his receiver's ankles. That wasn't a bad decision, nor was it a bad play call. It was a bad throw. The final one, I'm probably punting, but I don't hate it. But the reason I'm punting there is, again, I have no problem with them being ultra-aggressive because that is their style. It's just Washington scored its third touchdown of the game late in this first half, five minutes left in the first half. Their next five possessions were interception, touchdown, punt, punt, turnover on downs. They hadn't really been going that well on offense for the last quarter, two quarters pretty much. I would have pinned them deep. I would have said, okay, they haven't been able to do it in the two quarters. I'm going to make them drive 80 yards now. If they do it, here, tip my cap. By, but by going for it, like I understand if you get it, game's over. Totally worth the risk. But if you don't get it, you've given them confidence and a very, very short field. And that to me is like, I, I, I don't think Dan Lanning's an idiot for doing it. I have no problem with the decision, but I would have punted there. And I think, you know, a few more years in the Big Ten, Dan will come around. Dan will understand the importance of winning the battle for field position. With with the math on it, right? I, I think the reason why you go for it when he did is because it does give you the opportunity because Washington doesn't have to go quite as far to have the ball mm-hmm. to answer, which I obviously Tom and I have already talked about a little bit. So you it allows you the information to know, okay, how many points do I need? Do I need to go down and get a field goal? And if so... I have time to do so. It's kind of like why you should always take the ball, take take defense first in overtime, right? So that you have the information to know whether the the other team scored a touchdown or, or field goal or maybe had a turnover, and then you can craft your play calling uh, to it. I think as a defensive coach, and Lana didn't say this, but my, my guess here is that they probably didn't feel all that great about their chances of stopping Washington on a four down series, right? In that situation, Washington is going to be using all four downs. And the the odds that Michael Penix is able to drive down the field, whether he has to go 45 or 75, is sort of immaterial because you're going to give him the underneath stuff for the most part anyway, and he's going to have four downs to work with it. I know the math on the one before half doesn't say you have to kick it. Just for me, part of the value there of, of going is that you stick the opponent with poor field position. Right. So like you're on like an EPA chart or like a live betting model, if you if you stuff your opponent 
down there and like they're stuck at their own three. If there's actually time, you are more more likely to score next than the opponent is. But that's not the case when there's only like three seconds left before the half, right? So that's the reason I had the problem with that one. I I kind of think that what Lanning did in game was smart and will be copied by other opponents or other coaches because it's kind of it's kind of basketball-y, right? It's almost like playing a two for one in hoops. Okay. How much of the shot clock do we use now? No, we go for it because we know we're gonna be able to force them out of their possession and then get one more possession back, right? Like like playing a two for one, having the information edge is uh is is pretty key. Chip, what would you have done? With the one before half? No, the one at the end of the game. You punting or are you going? <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot. <laughs> First of many crucial Saturdays in college football will provide some shakeups in the new AP Top 25 with teams <laughs> falling out of the rankings and plenty of movement within the poll. As I write a story here live on the podcast. Um, no, if at the very end... I do think that there was valid gripes from Oregon fans with the way that those third and fourth down calls went, right? Like it, man, to see Bo Nix throw it in the dirt, I understand Tez Walker was double covered over there on the left, like in the flat. Like that's, you're not trying to like throw an interception and make it any worse, but you're giving Michael Penix 53 yards. Like it, it, to the point where, what was the conversation after the Husky scored? Oh, did they leave Bo Nix too much time? Mm. Right. If you're looking at the clock, I don't hate the decision to go for it right there. Those early calls, oh man. You know, like Tom, you mentioned in the workroom, everything comes out in the wash when you fail to score, but then end up getting it right back and getting a touchdown. Tough game, man. Tough. I, I've got no complaints for Oregon here, right? You know, you know it, what that was? What? That was two playoff caliber teams playing a playoff caliber game. Yeah. I'll, I'll Like you said earlier, but I'll happily watch it again. If, if they want to meet again for the Pac-12 championship, I'm in. Let's do it right now. After watching USC and Notre Dame, after watching Washington State – just give after me those two UC, again. Yeah, after after watching Washington State, after watching UCLA, Oregon State, after watching USC, Notre Dame, there is no question. It is Washington, Oregon line, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. All right. So now Oregon has to do the egg and the spoon. <laughs> do you think they can navigate the rest of the schedule without another loss? Who else do they have here? Oh, buddy, it's tough. It's tough. I mean, they can, but will they is, is a very different question. Right. I don't know. I mean, I know, like, I know Bo Nix's numbers were good today. I don't feel like Bo Nix played all that well. I think even a lot of the passes he completed were inaccurate. I think his receivers bailed him out a lot. I think he was throwing behind guys. I think he was throwing at people. Bucky feet. Irving is the MVP of the offense yeah. for yeah. Oregon today and the yeah. offensive line, which. Jay, oh my gosh, Jackson Powers Johnson coming back into the game after looking like he was going to get knocked out. It's my hero right there. My big beefy boy. Yeah. Little, little Jason agree, Kelsey. Agree with you on Knicks, by the way. I, I Look, all of these guys who could have gone pro 
and came back and they got an NIL bag. The real NFL bag is always bigger. There's a reason they came back, okay, for the most part. Like maybe if you were hurt or something and, and you wanted a, a chance to prove yourself, which I know Nick's got dinged, but like Bo Nix is a good college quarterback. He's pretty mature, doesn't put the ball at risk a whole lot, but I don't think he's an enormous difference maker. You know, Penix outplayed him on, on a down-to-down basis given the difficulty of the throws that he had to make, I think. Yeah, um, like, I, th- I think he made one great throw to Troy Franklin. And then the rest were all kind of eh, just like easy throws, and they weren't all good. Yeah, the thirty-yard pass on the left sideline. No, the forty-nine-year-old forty-nine-yarder down the middle. Ooh, okay, gotcha. Franklin, it, it, it seemed like at the end, after he'd been quiet for like the first two and a half quarters, it's like okay, it's just best player. Let's go. I mean, it was me playing NFL Blitz. <laughs> Wow, there's a blast from the past. At the arcade, blast from the past. Remember when they had arcades? They still do. No, they don't. Yeah, they do. They have arcades. Yeah. Well, I, well, they have like Dave and Buster's. They have like adult arcades. I'm talking about are there arcades that kids go to? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, parents take their kids to it because the parents want to play the games. <laughs> Bowling alleys still have good arcade games. Okay, but it's a bowl. I mean, I, I, uh, I, I take my son to play some Area Fifty One. We, we got to step. See? We got to take the chair. Well, don't, don't tell Mags. But like, <laughs> we, 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 we take the chair, and, and he, that's. I don't know if that's. I don't know what that's rated, but um, it's a lot of quarter because because he his character is just constantly getting like getting waxed, and I'm like, dude, I'm I'm like our our kill count is like 170 to 14, man, but he loves it so. <laughs> Whatever it's aliens, <laughs> whatever it's aliens. Life. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Back Can on you track. The schedule. I don't know. Yeah, they, you didn't even look at the rest of the schedule. Come I on, man. They, they, they we, both we got. Re- play I looked. We didn't read it off. Look, they both got to play Utah. They both got to play Oregon State. They both got to play Washington State. Like they both, they both got to play USC. Like it is legitimately of the remaining competitive opponents. They each have five that are dangerous, and I think four of them are shared. And I think we all agree coming out of this game that one of the takeaways is that I want to see them play again and I want to see them play on a neutral field. And yet, everything we know about college football says that, I don't know, they're probably going to lose. Yeah, I think it was our friend Stephen Godry, the irascible one, who said that uh, whoever wins Washington, Oregon, he looks forward to touting them as a playoff contender only to watch Utah crush them <laughs> when they run into him because that's just what Utah does every year. Yeah. So Maybe which I'm game crazy. do they I lose? I think they're going to do it. I do too. I think they're better than everybody left on their schedule, and that's really a big factor. But again, uh, they could lose to Oregon State at the end of the year, like the final kind of civil war before you know they leave, and Oregon State's going into what, wherever the hell Oregon State will end up going to. The Beavers are going to be kind of jacked up for that one. I don't know. I, I they're really good. They're going to. I would say I don't see I don't think Utah. I mean, like if Cam Rising ever even comes back, because like we're halfway through the year, boys. Like, at what point is he coming back? If he's coming back, I don't know. So, yeah, I don't know if you're doing like these stories and these podcasts, kind of like Spidey Sense is up on that about Cam mm-hmm. Rising coming back at all this year. Utah is what it is. Yeah, it's 
Pac-12 Iowa. No, don't don't try to like fictionalize. Yeah, exactly. Like, don't fictionalize what you saw Cam Rising do in other seasons and try to apply that to what Utah has been. Utah is a solid team, but it is what it is. We should take Utah for what it has been so far this season. Limited, but extremely good at what it does well. Does Oregon still have to play Arizona? No. No. Oh, well, thank God. Because Noah Fafita would take it to him. Ooh. The road schedule, if you get past Utah, is fairly friendly. Like, it's at Arizona State. But if you're a serious playoff contender, you, you are not losing at in, in Tempe at this Arizona State team, right? No. To me. So, um, by the way, we got an awesome live audience right now. Thank you. If you are just tuning in, please subscribe. Like, we have an awesome community that we want you to be a part of. The Cover 3 tailgate, you can be a part of. Come and chat. Come and be a part of it. So, please hit that subscribe button and come and jump in where you will find an audience that will understand the intricacies of the Pac-12 picture. You don't get that a lot of places. TBA. We're not just sending the schools to different conferences. <laughs> no, we are not responsible for conference realignment. We've offered our services for um, being a search firm for coaching hires. Still, still willing to do it. We will undercut Parker. Parker executive search firm. I'm telling you right now, we will charge less than you. I don't know if it'll be the same Shots result. Shots fired. Like is that- <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So do we want to go to Notre Dame USC while we're in the Pac-12? Yeah, that fraudulent Pac-12 team. Yeah. What's the, what's the panic? What's the panic mode? Hey, no, you know what? Coming up on the other side. How seriously should we take USC? an unserious football team based on its presentation so far this year with an excellent quarterback. We'll get into that and more next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast and... Look, is there panic for USC? Because technically, all you did was lose to Notre Dame. If you were a 12-1 and Pac-12 champ with wins against the teams that are on your schedule, you're still a college football playoff contender. Think they get there? 
No. No, I, I, I do not. Um, I know we'll get to the poll assassin segment in a little bit or top 25 tomorrow segment in a little bit, but I, I mean, this is sort of your worst fears about USC confirmed, right? We had questions. Can their defense get better? It's a little bit better than it was last year, certainly. It's not, it's not better enough. The improvements are not that good. Uh, and the offense, we had been increasingly talking in recent weeks, it doesn't look right. Okay, they're they're kind of running just like Caleb scramble around and do stuff. The plays don't look in sync. It's not like Caleb's hitting his third step, his fifth step, his seventh step, and the ball's out on time. The pressure has been you know coming quite a bit. And look, I know that we're going to talk more USC than than the Irish because Notre Dame already has two losses. But I mean, credit to the Irish for getting off the mat. Like they had played a really hard schedule in a row, couple kind of gut gut punch losses there, and that is how you do it. Eleven tackles for loss, six sacks, five turnovers. I mean, the Irish offense tonight wasn't great. Didn't do anything. They had touchdown drives of 12, 46, 2, 50, 68, and a fumble six for a touchdown, which is the defense, and a kickoff return touchdown. I mean, that's the kind of defensive effort you need when your offense is what Notre Dame's offense is right now. I have hopes for it to get better throughout the year, but man, uh, USC was out physical. They were not ex- especially sharp. And there's kind of one way you can lose to this Irish team, and it's give that offense short field. That offense isn't driving the field on anybody, and they didn't have to. <laughs> so, congrats, USC. You played yourself. USC was so bad tonight that Marcus Freeman, as charitable, charitable as he is, decided to give him three free points right before halftime. <laughs> um, the, oh Notre Dame, gosh. yeah, Notre, Notre Dame had forty-eight points and ran forty-nine plays on offense. <laughs> like they the have offense, what they have one hundred thirty passing yards total, one hundred twenty-six. The offense didn't do anything in this game, and it's so it's like it's one of those weird times. It's like, well, we can't blame USC's defense for this one. Like USC gives up forty-eight points, wasn't the defense's fault. Although, I will say, the USC defense that was very good pass rush and getting pressure on opposing quarterbacks all season long, no sacks tonight, one tackle for loss. I guess they finally played a real offensive line. But, yeah, this is this is on USC's offensive line and Caleb Williams. Like, a lot of the time when you watch USC, it's hard to judge their offensive line because Caleb just kind of likes to hold on to the ball and goof around back there and, and wait for something to happen and then do something incredible. So it's like, is the offensive line not blocking or is Caleb just doing Caleb stuff? Tonight, Caleb didn't have any time to dance around and goof around and wait for stuff to develop because there were dudes in his face real quick and he panicked, man. Like the three interceptions he threw were straight up true freshman making his first road start kind of interceptions. Like, what in the world? You, dude, you won the Heisman. What What are you doing? You're going to be the number one pick in the draft. This is this is not the stuff you're supposed to be doing. So it was it was a terrible game by USC. Just like you said, but they didn't look prepared. They didn't look ready to play. They looked rattled. It was just, I mean, they threw the interception on the very first possession of the game, and I feel like they never actually recovered from that point on. They were just completely taken out of the game. Notre Dame just 
put it to an end quick. Like that was the other thing too. There were the two chances. Like it was only tw- it was twenty four to six at halftime. The timeout right before the half because Marcus Freeman didn't want to give up the offside call, even though USC was not going to get the snap off on time. And even if they did, it looked like they were trying to spike the ball. But <laughs> USC comes out, scores, mm-hmm. third quarter. Cuts it to 24 to, you know, 14. You're thinking, uh-oh. Because to that point, like, again, Notre Dame's offense wasn't doing a damn thing. And then, you know, and Notre Dame had gone three and out to start the second half. And then USC gets the ball, goes and scores. And you're like, uh-oh, uh-oh. We, we've seen this movie before. But then Notre Dame puts together its best offensive drive of the game, scores a touchdown, reestablishes itself. And then USC again scores, cuts it to, to a two-score game. You're like, uh-oh. And immediately Notre Dame returns the kick, 99 yards. So it was like every time USC even gave itself an inkling that it had a chance to get back in the game, Notre Dame just smacked backhanded it and said, nope, mm -mm. I hope you enjoyed that because we're just going to win the game. So, yeah, it was Notre Dame was the better team. And I think, honestly, Notre Dame is a team that has flaws. We have discussed a lot of those flaws on this show, so much so that Notre Dame fans really don't like us. I think Notre Dame is a better team than USC. I think if Notre Dame goes to L.A. and plays the Trojans in the Coliseum next week, they will beat them then, too. Maybe not by 28, but they will beat them. Like, for the complete reason? Mm-hmm. They just, they, their offensive line is really good. USC's isn't. Their defense is good. USC's isn't. They have the huge, well, not even a huge, Sam Hartman's good, but they, they have the quarterback advantage and they have the skill position advantage, and that's great. But we have seen time and time again that it's usually not enough when you play other good teams. Yeah, I I tend to agree. Like I, after watching that, it look you can tell me that turnovers are are fluky, and, and to a certain extent they are for sure. But pass rush isn't right. That that was real. Notre Dame's defense has shown up pretty much every game this year. You know we have like. Maybe 25 minutes, of, eh, that, that wasn't great, against a really good play caller in Jeff Brom. I think this Irish defense is pretty bankable as one of the best defenses in the country. The offense is kind of trash, but look, they were better prepared, it looked like tonight. USC, it looked panicky from the opening gun. Caleb, uh, to me, it w- was playing like a guy who – felt maybe because he's at their practice and, and knows or maybe just based on the prior five, five games feels like he has to do everything both for, to cover for the defense but also maybe for the offense right at mm, it, it i wonder if like stuff doesn't start coming out about usc they're gonna finish eight and four. like behind the scenes type stuff like oh you won't believe like this is what the call. Like, I'm not saying that I know that there is stuff there. I haven't even heard whispers, but like the way that they play looks weird to me. You know, a lot of media in that town. A lot of guys be going pro. I, I bet you we'll be sitting here in about a year, be like, hmm, wow, that's an interesting story. Like, do you think there was a lot of like NFL scouts there tonight? A lot of teams are gonna have early first round picks. Do you think Caleb was just tanking his stock because he doesn't want to get drafted by the garbage teams that run it? <laughs> The Bears? No, no, no. The Bears don't. Bears don't need a quarterback. Chip. Bears have a quarterback. I don't know if you noticed. He leads the NFL in touchdowns. Do those touchdowns lead to wins? Or yes, uh, or yes. Just... Mm-hmm. They just won last week. They did. Look at that. Yeah. All right. 
Um, Caleb's done for the Heisman. No. Yes, yeah. because USC's going eight and four. So Caleb is going for the Heisman. On on a site that's not our main betting sponsor, they update the Heisman odds in real time. That was uh that was like watching life while it's stock, man. It was just just yeah. crashing. You know whose stock was skyrocketing. I got him at twenty two to one last week. I think he's at about ten to one this week. Go blue. JJ? Mm-hmm. Somebody's gotta win it if it's not. So all right, let's let's Penix. do that. Let's let's project the new AP top twenty five. Michigan will get more first place votes, right? Yes. They put a fifty burger up. I mean, like everybody wanna talk about that seven oh Indiana lead. But when you do a fifty burger back to back weeks and everybody else out there is not coming anywhere close to those kinds of performances. If you want to make an argument that you are one of the best teams in the country, who is actually putting the scores on the board that are going to go and do it? Michigan is. Your favorite team is not. Like the Wolverines are doing exactly what you would want to see in the middle of October to say we are the best team in the country. Now, they, unlike Ohio State, are not about to play Penn State. They, unlike... um, you know, Florida State already has the wins against a, a Clemson and against an LSU. Like, Michigan hasn't played anybody like that. But what are you doing against the opponents that you are playing? I They're checking all the boxes. Preseason's over. Body bag season. Let's go. I want to say, I'm going to update the stat. Michigan has now played seven games this year. And not only have they won all seven games, but the defense is yet to face a first and goal. The touchdown they allowed today was on a trick play that came from well outside the goal, you know, the red area. Um, yeah, like it was funny. You mentioned the seven nothing Indiana lead. A little peek behind the curtains. One of our editors, Jack, when Indiana takes that lead, sends me a little message in Slack. Says, "Hey, I need you to keep eyes on Michigan Indiana because you know we might need to write this." I was like, "Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I'm totally, totally going to keep eye on this in case case we need to write this one because Indiana is definitely going to you know make this a game for sure." Yeah. Um. No, like Michigan is just incredibly good. There's really no other way to put it. Like you can argue about the schedule, but you know, you look at some of the, uh, I can't remember who posted it, but you look at some of the more like advanced metrics for strength of schedule, other than what you're just typically going to find from win loss record. Michigan's schedule has not been as bad as it looked before the season. Like look at UNLV, a team that we thought was going to be crap, but a team that is looking like one of the best teams in the Mountain West. Bowling Green is looking like an okay Mac team that also beat Georgia Tech. East Carolina stinks. But, like, the rest of the schedule, Rutgers. Rutgers is going bowling. Like, we, we can make fun of that, but they won their fifth game today. Like, Michigan's overall strength of schedule is much better than anybody realizes, and they are beating the piss out of everybody, man. It's just, yeah, it, they're, they're really, really good. And you look at the stats today. Like, J.J. McCarthy, 222 yards, 14 to 17 three touchdowns. Even Jack Tuttle came in and went five for five with a touchdown. They're just there. There is no relenting with this team. Once they get going, it's just, it's, it's a death march to the end of the game. I didn't watch Georgia and I didn't watch Michigan. So I, I I'll, I'll, I'll hit them on UFR on Monday. Like I, I just, there's there so many games to watch today. I just, I didn't get eyes on them. I, I, I figured they would smoke who they played. Georgia did played you watch Ohio two. state. I did. Do you think Ohio State gets any more first place votes? No. Yeah. 
Ohio State doesn't. I don't know. They don't take the. They, they're all banged up. It's really hard to. Yeah. Oh, like the, you don't have a Mecca Buka. You don't have Trevion Henderson. You don't have Mayan Williams. You don't have like. And then all of a sudden we're going to take more players out. Thank yeah, God then, they have Cade Stover. Like they got like, like they got that they've got these players that are stepping up. I saw. Um. I. I did not have the ears on the Ohio State game. Like my Peacock TV did not have audio up. Did they talk about Dallin Hayden maybe redshirting? Because going into the week, I'd seen the reports. It was like, yeah, they were considering doing the redshirt for Dallin Hayden. And guess what? When Travion and Mayan are gone, we need you. Like we need you to step up here. And then, you know, like classic, you know, shout out to Bud, but. Oh look, there's a there's another true freshman Ohio State wide receiver who's just better than everybody else on the field. Oh, sunrises, sunsets. Like, like I'm sure that we're not going to be looking at um, it's Carnell Tate, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we're not going to be looking at Carnell Tate as like the difference maker in the Big Ten championship game. But damn, it is a luxury. It is a capital L luxury that as everything seems to be falling apart with your offense, you give Kyle McCord a little bit of confidence, and then he goes out there, and here's this super talented true freshman who answers the call. And like credit to Cardinal Tate for being ready to go, right? You're in West Lafayette. It's rainy. It's windy. It's gross outside. They've got a drum that's way too big and band nerds all over the place. But like you are focused and dialed and you show up in a big way in your true freshman season. So <laughs> the drum really is comically large. Like it's, it's a weird thing to harp on. We have the world's largest drum. All right, cool. And I think Iowa has the world's largest ball of yarn. Everybody's got something. Are we, are we doing top 25? Sorry. No, we, we I, asked, I asked you if you thought you were going to, like, Ohio State thoughts. No, I look, I, I thought Ohio State, their defense to me is still pretty damn good. Like, I don't know if they have freaks at linebacker, but they have a damn good D-line. I think they have better depth at corner now. Uh Purdue lost some guys up front on the offensive mm -hmm. line. I thought Ohio State really took advantage. We talked about this on the show. Tom highlighted these. Like, look, it's Ryan Walters. You know what you're going to get. And what, what you get is a lot of man coverage. How's man coverage working on Marvin Harrison? <laughs> it's not. Not great. Not, well, you know what? Unless Maybe you've got, you like, have, Sauce like, Gardner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you have Purdue's corners, I don't know how – well, actually, I do know because I, I saw it. It does not work well. Um. And so, like, that's that's a good road win for Ohio State. Like, Purdue's probably a ball team. You know, you're, you're favored by what? 17, you go and you win by, what, they win by 25, 30? Something like well, that. they're 2 and 5 now. They're not going to be in a bowl game. Yeah, no, they're not. Are we be. sure? They're 2 and 5. They play in the West. Like, like it, well, yeah, but Illinois is rolling now. Although they already played Illinois, so they get to dodge that. They get to yeah. dodge the good line. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure they're going bowling. They lost to Syracuse. That was their bowl game. Yeah, but they lost to good Syracuse, like before I, the I, depth I, got to I'm, them. I'm doing numbers game, Tom. I'm saying they needed that one. I think they have like a 10 to 15% chance to make a bowl. I mean, here's who they finish with, right? Nebraska, Michigan, Minnesota, North, Northwestern, Indiana. Well, they're beating Michigan. We can all get Well, of course, one, right. right. Yeah. So then, then you got to make sure you don't slip up twice against uh, Nebraska, <laughs> Minnesota. How am I the math guy? 
That's a big shocker of Saturday night. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think they're going bowling because they're yeah, definitely they, going to lose. They're two losses away from not being bowl eligible. I will say they are. They so are. They might be APR. Hey. <laughs> oh, they're it's the definitive better Purdue's than their definitely record. APR. Yeah. They're better than their record. They're just not going to go bowling. Do you know Pac-12 schools are not allowed to go bowling at five and seven? It's a conference rule, even if they have like great grades. It's too dignified. Too that, dignified. You get like all A's and a sticker, and you still can't go. Although honestly, if you're leaving the conference and you're five and seven, can you just you know give them the double bird and say, oh, "I'm going bowling. I don't care. What are you going to do? Kick me out? <laughs> I'm out." Um, is there any big movement in the top twenty-five? Like, um, what how far do you? Are you- he, Sorry, no, this is what what do you do with Notre Dame? This is all right, the complication is Notre Dame has a loss to Louisville. Louisville just lost to Pitt. It was his first loss of the entire season. Notre Dame will pass Louisville. Correct. I'll make that prediction I, right now. <laughs> I, I agree. Notre Dame also beat Duke. So Notre Dame, Duke, Louisville, all in that 13 to 18 kind of range. How do, how do you sort them out? Uh, Oregon State's there. Utah's there. Uh, Tennessee's there. They were at 19 last week. They're probably all falling behind that Ole Miss team that Bud hates. And I don't know. Play. Tennessee beat Texas A&M. They'll probably jump to the top 10. To that is true. USC. Yeah, we gotta got to find a way to rank some more SEC teams here. <laughs> I've got Tennessee hanging tight at number 19. No, they're going to get a bump. Are you kidding? Well, they're going to go above Washington State and UCLA. So I've got um, dropping out of the rankings, Washington State, Kansas, Kentucky, Miami, UCLA. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. My prediction Breaking is into the rankings, Missouri, after getting the win, Air Force, Tulane, and is it time? Oh, it's time. Coming, up on, the other, oh. coming up on the other side, a major announcement. Next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Tom, you called it early. 
So let's uh, let's let's go ahead and uh, let's make a major announcement. All right. So a few weeks ago, this was submitted to me, and it's been under review for a while. And today, the the verdict came in, and I am delighted to announce that the team that should be ranked in the AP poll is a wagon, and that team is James Madison. You know, Ohio lost to Northern Illinois today, and I'm not taking the wagon label away from the Bobcats because you are allowed to lose. It's not just your record. It's it's who you are, and Ohio remains a wagon, and I will never forget what they did for us last year. But Washington solidified its wagon status yet again today. And James Madison with a 41 to 13 win over a Georgia Southern team that is another one of the better teams in the Sun Belt. A Georgia Southern team that has given some Power Five teams trouble this year and last year. And the Dukes just whooped their butts 41 to 13. They are not bowl eligible because of the transition from FCS to FBS, but they should be in a bowl because they're better than about. 45% of the teams that will be in a bowl game this year. <laughs> they they are a wagon. They're legit on offense, defense. And the thing is, it's the attitude. It's not just the winning. It's not just the score. It's that they are, you know, they're they're a step step on your throat and kind of twist team. And I really like that about them. So yeah, James Madison, welcome to the to the land of wagons. You now join Washington in Ohio. I was so impressed by their DBs. I mean, Georgia Southern has real guys, and JMU's pass defense this year has been an issue. And I mean, like the Eagles receivers are much better than like Virginia's and some of the other teams that JMU's played. They they covered them like crazy. Like the pass rush is usually there. The coverage was damn good, and the offense that was that was crisp, man. That 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 was a whooping. Uh, I fully fully stamped JMU as a top twenty five team. They are the best team in the state of Virginia. Hmm. By far. Yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Yeah. Like like them Even or Virginia host- Tech put the work on Wake. <laughs> yeah. They did. It's a huge game for JMU this week, too. They're going on the road short week against Marshall. Marshall coming Thursday off a night. loss to Georgia State. That's that's gonna be a banger on Thursday. I'm looking forward to that one. Fired up about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh what about Air Force? Good comeback because they fell behind wagon early wings, in that not game. Not a wagon with wings. They're not a wagon. It's okay. <laughs> this, is, this isn't an anti-American statement, but it's hard for a service academy to be a wagon. Um, but no, they're well, very. It's, good it's hard for a. It's hard for the Air Force to be a wagon because they're not going to be tied to the trail. It's got okay, wings. they need wings. They lord over the skies, Tom. That's they're more like they're more like the ET bike, you know, because it can fly, but it does have wheels. So, Air yeah, Force, the best team in Colorado. Yes, yes, easily. Yes, like who's even like Colorado State School of Mines? Second, who? I mean, who else are we considering? Oh, like, Air, Air Force is like what? Like, like on, on a power rating standpoint, Air Force is probably like a six or a seven, and Colorado is like a negative seven. No, like, they're not a negative seven. They're like a no, they easily two. are. Yeah, they're no, no. Like two, if you go to the media, no, 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 no. Negative. Like, yeah. like on a neutral site, you you would basically make it Air Force minus fourteen over Colorado, and you would have to reduce the spread because you account for the tempo, mm-hmm. right? So you'd probably knock off like twenty percent of the spread. So fourteen would become like let's call it eleven and a half. 
right? That's kind of what I would make Air Force Colorado. Mm. And Colorado School of Mines is a good team, sir. Do not disparage the mines. Bob Stitt. What are they? I can't remember what they are. I just, yeah. Um, do you, is good. You go ahead. Do we need to rank Iowa? Oh, do we have to? No. <laughs> I don't. We're gonna have an unranked Big Ten West champion. Yeah, that's damn it. I mean, in the final year of the division, that's the way it should be. The winner of that division should like if they are ranked when they win the division, they should fall out. That's the way that you know it's. I mean, Wisconsin got Iowa today. Iowa, by the way, after beating Wisconsin to improve to three and one in conference play, has now been outscored sixty-seven to sixty-one in four Big Ten games. They have a negative point differential. They are three and one. <laughs> they, you know, they completed passes to receivers today. They did two of. Them. But so did six passes over Hunter. Six of 14. Yeah, Eric Hall also went down with an injury. You know, yeah. like if you want to talk about like the the Brian Ferentz climb to 325 that we're going to do on Monday. Like, like, how do you disperse the points when your best tight end is knocked out? Oh, I've dispersed them. Uh, I, I, I already submitted the results <laughs> to Jordan. Uh, they, they, they will be dispersed uh, thusly. Uh, oh, wow. You so, realize Iowa's next four games are all at home? Dude, I'm telling you, we're gonna have like an 11 and one Iowa team that that is completing six passes per game. An 11 and one Iowa team that's number 12 in the college football playoff rankings as it enters the Big Ten championship game, going up against Michigan. Now, I do need someone to interpret this contract. We are currently like the bowl game counts. Does the Big Ten championship game count? Yes, I assume it will. We're going to need to make some points. So we rip uh, up the contract. You're not the offensive coordinator anymore. Congratulations, you're the head coach. That is the way this transition goes. You don't meet your contractual obligations as offensive coordinator. You are promoted. That is the way it works at Iowa. You know, I, I, I got to be honest. Like I had this game on because, I mean, how could you not? And also, like Danny and I had the under. But I didn't have the box score open because I really didn't want the numbers to ruin it for me. So I am getting my first look at the box score. Right now. Wow. This is... I go to a lot of high school games. <laughs> this is like the... No, no, I'm not saying like talent-wise, but quality of offensive play in this. This was really similar to like some high school games I've seen. You know? Um <laughs> Let's go. Oh, look at this. Let's go. Sir. Took my three-year-old to homecoming last night. First football game for a little punt. Look at so, that, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll rock the Broughton High School uh, scarf here. And How'd he do? Say I go to high school games. What? Did he, did, did he, did he last? Yeah, I, we, we went till halftime. He, it was like they this, scored. Man. They went up like 22 to 20 on a sick reverse after a good kick return right before halftime. We left with like one minute left in the second quarter. They ended up winning 42-38, I think, against Athens Tribe. Jags can eat that. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go, Caps. If, if Iowa finishes 12-1 and one and wins the Big Ten, 
They have to go to the playoff, right? <laughs> no. Yes, if they win the Big Ten. I mean, if they if win the Big Ten at 12 and 1. beat Michigan. Dude. No. Yes. I mean, it's not going to happen, but come on. Are you saying that because the circumstances that would allow them to beat Michigan probably involve like like a Tanya Harding type scenario, like, like, which would then DQ them? Or, or no, you just, I'm, you I'm just saying that imagine. because if you are asking a committee to say the four best teams, they're going to look at Ohio State that is not in the Big Ten championship game and say you're in. Because guess what? Auburn beat the number one team two times in the month of November and didn't make the college football playoff because they lost to Georgia in 2017. Lost to Georgia in in the SEC championship. What game? No, 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 no. Look, I'm telling you, there is no way that this 12-1 and Iowa team that you are painting is going to make the college football playoff over one of these awesome Pac-12 teams. How much money would you like to bet in this hypothetical situation that would never happen that a 12-1 and Iowa that would beat Michigan with 100 million percent being in the college football playoff? This is so hypothetical that we do, we don't need an escrow because it won't happen. But like, I will bet you one billion dollars, sir. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I think one loss. Penn and- State gets in over them. Ohio State gets in over them. Like literally, Maryland can go get in there. <laughs> no, Maryland's got two losses now. Thank yeah. you very much. What's the hey, bud? What's the line between Georgia and Iowa right now? 13. Shit. No, it's not 13. It's not 13. It, Iowa it's, minus 13. It's 22. <laughs> 22 and a half. This is a really weird one because, like, do you have Iowa as a positive number? Yeah. Not a big positive. <laughs> is it closer to zero than five? Yes. Yeah. I, I'm going to say like 30. I would say Georgia, like, like there's a level of sort of like, like there's a breaking point to where Iowa just, I would get shut out by Georgia. I'm very confident. And Georgia would get enough at bats in Iowa territory where they would score a lot of points off short fields. Georgia minus 30 and I'm setting the total at 38. (laughs) Yeah, thirty-four to four. Uh, that that makes. That, I'm taking the hog guys. Two safeties. Yeah. Oh, oh wait wait. You're gonna give me a big spread low total? Oh, interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the dog. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what else? Uh, what else stands out from the notebook? The top twenty-five notebook, or no? The- I mean anything. Yeah. We've we've projected. There's we we said there's not going to be a lot of shakeup. There's going to be a figuring out where Notre Dame lands. There's going to be teams that are falling out, teams that are moving in. There's not a ton of teams in the waiting line. Like it's very very obvious based on the voting behavior of the um, AP ballots who's going to be moving in. Wisconsin had a chance, they blew it. Right? Wyoming had a chance, they blew it. Right? Like, it's very, very obvious. West Virginia, they had a chance. Oops. Bat it down. Who's more likely to be in the top 10 tomorrow? The Alabama team that survived against Arkansas or the North Carolina team that beat Miami? Alabama. It's ridiculous. That's fine. I mean, you said, I'm not saying my opinion. You just asked what I think will happen. All right, let's talk Carolina then. Yeah. All right. 
What'd you think? I was pretty impressed, man. Like Tez Walker, I voted in preseason ACC team. I'm going to like, if I get a vote, I'm going to vote in postseason ACC team. I know he's only playing half the year. That guy's one of the best receivers in the country. Like Miami threw really good punches and Carolina adjusted and punched back. I thought they were more physical. Both teams committed to boatload of penalties, but Carolina committed less dumb penalties, I guess, and they were much better at hitting the explosive plays that we thought you'd probably need to win this game. I mean, they also didn't turn the ball over. Miami had three turnovers. Carolina had zero. Four? Oh, the the, the pick to end it. Yep. Yep. I did did my notes. Three real turnovers and four. Yeah, I did my notes when the game was was actually over, not not the ridiculous uh, late scoring stuff. But Drake May taking care of the football, making big-time throws, Tez Walker getting open and just smoking those Miami guys. Like, I still think Miami's not that bad of a team. Uh, but Carolina took its game to a different level and kind of ran away and hid. That was impressive. Uh, I wasn't all that impressed by Drake May. He had a bad game. Yeah, he had the four touchdowns. But Marion Hampton was sick in this game. Like, he, that dude had running with his hair on fire is – the balance that North Carolina needs if it really wants to compete for an ACC championship. So I, that was a good sign for Hampton. Um, obviously, like you're you're hyped about Tez Walker, um, but I thought that the offensive line allowed Drake May to be under duress, and under duress, Drake May made some throws that weren't great. And you know, there's some there's some give and take there, right? I mean, that's that's kind of figuring out what happens when you're playing against Miami, which, Bud, to your point, I still think is one of the best teams in the ACC. So, like, especially when you talk about their defensive line and what they can do with Lance Guidry and cooking up pass rush. It was an ugly game. It was a flag fest. Shocker. North Carolina and Miami are undisciplined. 14 penalties. A couple teams that haven't been there before were acting like they haven't been there before. (laughs) You know? Uncle... Uncle Larry had too many, you know, before the rehearsal dinner, and now all of a sudden he's giving a speech, and we weren't really planning on that. That's kind of what it felt like there a little bit. But, you know, I, I kind of I, – I, I come away ultimately with the, okay, Rucker. Um, like, Evans made some bad mistakes, but still stepped up with, like, a couple of really good plays. Yeah. Um, Murphy. Miles Murphy was getting after it in this game like that. That's what I I have uh, continually come back to about North Carolina's defense where like, yes, it is year two of Gene Chiswick, but let's also look at the players inherently who are there who have underperformed expectations early in their careers. And now they have literally grown up and they are now, they are now starting to arrive. And I, I think that tonight was the night that put that on full display. Cedric Gray was all over the place. Oh, God, he was huge. Like, Power Eccles is so tiny, but hits so hard. Well, it's, his name's Power for a reason, Chip. This is the defense USC wishes it had. Ooh. You know, like, it'll allow some scores, but it it it, it does cause you some problems. It, it'll get a turnover or two with, with some of the chaos. To the point about Drake May being bad, I... I don't know, man. I did he did he throw any balls that should have been picked off? Did Miami drop any interceptions? No, no Miami but, did not drop any interceptions. Like, I mean, he had he, a couple. He he bailed on a couple plays. He threw some balls at, at dude's feet. 
Sure. Like, he was like, 17 he to 33. He didn't put the ball in jeopardy, though, against sure. a lot of pressure and still managed to throw, what, four touchdowns, no picks or whatever it was. I mean, like, like it's – there is sort of a maturity to – like he didn't have 400 yards on the day. Miami had a boatload of pressure. The, the Bain kid for them is is nuts. He's Remember Melvin Ingram that played for like South Carolina and then played for the Chargers? Mm-hmm. That's who he reminds me of. He's like, he's like a you know kind of sawed off, but really twitchy, violent hands, ton of moves. He's fun as hell to watch. And we, we had him last year at the, the All-American game. I was like, damn, this kid is, is – I mean, we knew he was, but seeing him do that to other elite prospects was, was, pretty, was pretty wild. I, I um, think for me with May, it's it's mostly a combination of the entire season. Because, I mean, 8.7 yards per attempt, barely 50% of completion pay, rate today. It just like he's had one really incredible game, and the rest have all just been kind of, all right, He's that's fine. And for somebody who is as talented as he is and is considered to be like one of the top two quarterbacks in the draft class, I don't really feel like he's played like that. I don't know, man. Like I, I've seen him make make some pretty good throws for a while. Like, wasn't McCullum banged up too early in the, the year? Beginning, first two games. Yeah. I mean, like for like the first couple of games, they didn't have McCullum or or Walker. And think about who they lost to the draft. Like they lost Antoine Green and they lost Josh Downs. Like there was a pretty good like talent transition. I I, I think this thing's ready to roll now. And and I mean, it's like up next they have UVA at Georgia Tech, Campbell, Duke. And then they go at Clemson at NC State, and that won't be easy. But I mean, they're they're racking up these tie breaks. It's important. Yeah, no doubt. All right, what else? Do we want to talk about Colorado on Friday night? Yeah, absolutely. Did you guys stay up for? Did you watch it this morning? Stayed up. You did. I'm built different, bro. Come on. I was very much actually no. Here's I'll I'll tell you the truth. I was twenty nine nothing at halftime. Got ready to go to bed. Got all comfy in bed. Then just before going to sleep, just kind of cracked open the phone to see what was going on. I was like, oh okay. So then it's like pull out you know while in sleep and you pull out the iPad and you just kind of like volume down and just turn it on and be like, well what's going on here? Yeah. Oh, it's so much better with volume on. I watched it this morning because <laughs> again. They're not really broadcast. Ain't really ready if 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 Colorado doesn't win. It's supposed to be the Colorado party, and then it's like, whoa, well, what are our storylines now? All right, now they got bailed out because it was kind of one kid killing them. For, yeah, like I, yeah, for 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 Stanford, um, Tennessee went after him pretty hard. By the way, shout out producer Jordan for that nugget this morning. They're right, and kid Tennessee had a great can't even beat Stanford for kids. That is where, where do you think that comeback ranks? I mean, 29 nothing is 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 pretty big. Why, sir, I believe it is one of the largest of all time. Hmm. What do you think of doubling down on your mistake of taking the ball first in overtime? To, See, like, do you think that's do you think that's why Dion did it again? Because he didn't want to admit that the, what he did against Colorado State was a mistake. I there's some like it was Houston who did it. I, I know David Ubbin linked to the story last night as the game was going on. There was something like Houston and UTSA where Houston took the ball first, and there's some thought process for it where I think statistically 
the team that takes it first has won like 50.4% of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they've won more often, but it's so statistically insignificant that it's really not something you should be taking meaning from other than the fact that you still want to have the ball last because then you know what you have to do. So like say if you throw a hopeless interception in the end zone on third down instead of maybe giving your team a shot to kick the field goal, then the other team gets a chance knowing it just has to kick a field goal to win the game. Yeah, the the information edge that you are bypassing, like that that's a coaching mistake by Dion. I I don't care you want to put pressure on the other team. That that's that's nonsense. If you you like your quarterback that much, cool. Trust him to score a second. Not knowing what you need to accomplish to win the football game because you made a choice and then double down on the mistake, that's a coaching error. That, that like That's the wrong call. That's a small part of the game. Mm-hmm. They played Travis Hunter, what, 157 snaps? Yes, that was a bigger error to me. Coming off a liver injury? Yeah, that's been out for three weeks because that kid was cooked in the second half, both like on yeah. the field and just you could see it. He was like – He looked tired. Yes, he was completely worn out. And then you're At throwing altitude, him on – Tom. Yeah, and then you're throwing him on the kid who's got like 30 catches for 5,000 yards against you. What did he finish? Let's see. A.O. Manor finished with 13 catches for 294 yards and three touchdowns, and he had the moss on Hunter where he just jumped over him at the end of the game. Just there's a lot of bad decisions in that game, a lot. What else? About that game or? or yeah, I mean, just in general. Illinois, let's go. Illinois let's go. is back. I don't know if you've heard the news. Um, Just want to say. You know, Penn State played UMass today. It was homecoming. Penn State did the thing you do on homecoming. You schedule the team you know you're going to beat because you want everybody to have a good time, and that's what they did. They beat the crap out of UMass. It was homecoming for Maryland, too. (laughs) Scheduled Illinois for homecoming, thinking you'd win the game, but you didn't. You lost. It's too bad, Maryland. It's too bad. Of course, Illinois plays Wisconsin next week and it's homecoming, but Wisconsin hasn't beaten Illinois in years, so I guess that's fine. But no, it was very nice to see uh, Illinois win a game because I kept sitting there waiting for the other shoe to drop and for them to blow it. But the defense, even though they were missing Keith Randolph and they were missing a couple key guys, they made plays. Like The defense played better today than I feel like it has at any point this season in any game this season. And considering the kind of offense Maryland runs with them chucking the ball all over the field and Illinois playing a lot of man and sometimes getting torn apart from teams that do that to them. I thought today was a very encouraging performance from that team, at least going forward, giving me some hope for them. Maybe, you know, bowl game still in the picture. Did you guys beat up Maryland offensive line? Uh, I don't know if I would qualify it as beat them up, but I would say we had the better of them. Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's kind of what I thought eventually would happen in Maryland. I just wasn't sure when it was going to happen. Yeah, I, the, the defense as a whole looked better completely all, all over the board, and the defensive line, even without Keith Randolph, I think played a part of that because they were like, I mean, and also Talia. Talia is going to be Talia. He is going to hang on to the ball. He is going to maybe run a little too soon. You know, he's, 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 he could be skittish. So I, I give some of the blame on him. He kind of ran himself into some sacks. But I think overall, just down-to-down basis, that was best performance by Illinois' defense this season. 
So what went wrong with Washington State, and are you selling stock? Noah Fafita is him. No, but 44-6 to six is more than just Noah Fafita. No, it's not. That, that's just how good the kid is, Chip. No, no, no. When you're playing in Pullman, don't don't sell me the Cam Ward bill and then not be able to score more than six points at home. I didn't get a chance to watch this game. Like, that one's on the – that's hot. That one's uh, – that, that one needs to be looked at later. So what happened? I didn't get any eyes on it. I did not really have – too many eyes on this one either i just the box score scouting here this was going to be a definite you know monday talk show but noah fafita chip 34 43 342 he's better than jdl arizona plays hard like we can't just say washington state lost a lot of good defensive players and then write that off like that is that is an offensive failing that is an outlier compared to everything else we have seen from washington state this season I, I agree. It was clearly, again, I didn't see much of this game, but looking at the box score, this was a disappointing performance by Washington State. But at the same time, this is an Arizona team that has been playing for a few, well for a few weeks now. This is an Arizona team that had a 17 to nothing lead on USC last week. I think that the score might not be truly an accurate indicator in the gap between these teams. But I feel like Arizona beating Washington State really isn't that huge of an upset. Washington State was just ranked. Yeah, I I wanted to bet Washington State all week, and I never got the the good injury info that I wanted. Like, it seemed to me that all of the Washington State receivers and the tight ends, like I think two or three receivers and both tight ends, had injuries. I was like, eh, I can't trust it because it's not like their own line's amazing. And they did lose a lot of guys to the draft uh, on defense, so I passed. I, I didn't didn't end up taking them. So my guess here, when I look at this and, and I see Nakia Watson, the running back, is their second leading receiver. Again, I, I didn't watch the game, but box score scouting this that that kind of matches up with with the concern and why I passed on the game. Now on Arizona, uh, Fafita is should not be giving his job back to Jaden. No. Now, he's like five listed listed 5'11". He's 5'9". Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He's going to be an absolute pain in the ass to deal with for the next three years. How, how tall is Khalil Tate? 10? Khalil Tate was 5'10". Yeah. Yeah. If yeah, feet is a little bit shorter, but he, you know, he's He's got some Jake Hayner to him. Maybe not like the walking corpse kind of I'm dying here, but just attitude-wise, moxie-wise, and movement-wise around in the pocket. He's he's got he's got a lot of Hayner. Dude, yeah. I mean, he's they're playing well. Really well. I, I, I was impressed that they actually got off the mat after how they lost that game last week at USC. And then to go up there to Pullman is not easy. Like that, that's a really nice win for them. What about Missouri, Kentucky? Cash my sprinkle, dude. Did you see how how they uh, how they turned it around? No, the fake punt. All right, so Kentucky goes so up 14. 17, 14 at half, right? Yeah, and that's when the Alpha Nerd talks about it being a competitive SEC environment to the broadcast as he's going into the locker room from the jaw, right? Mm-hmm. 
That I didn't catch. Um, oh, buddy. So uh, that's I've got nothing from the second half. First half, heated. The I boy, watched the first half. All right, so I, I didn't catch the interview. Yeah, the alpha nerd was in the big checkout line, and he 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 got into a kerfuffle with like this. This was dupes. This was no 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 no. Oh no no. This was a this was you know complaining about whether or not you had the organic strawberries or not in the mm. big checkout line in Kroger Field. Minor stuff, but he said he said on the broadcast. Uh, oh, it's Cole Kubelik, who's been on this podcast, right? Yeah, I yeah, believe yeah. So, yeah. He was like, yeah. So, like, you know, like, tell us a little bit about what that was. He was like, oh, that was nothing, just competitive SEC football. And then he just runs off to the locker room right there. Shout out to the Alpha Nerd, standing Shout up. The Beta Nerd. Said. It's fourteen nothing Kentucky. They get a stop. It's fourth and ten from the thirty nine. Missouri fakes a punt. And throws it, and the guy mosses this kid for a touchdown on fourth and ten from thirty-nine, and really kind of changed things thereafter. Missouri adjusted to what Kentucky was doing with a run game, and uh, did, how many teams that took a transfer quarterback this year do you think are potentially looking into refunds? Kentucky, NC for State, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's funny that it's Kentucky and NC State, right? I mean, I don't think Notre Dame is, but like, I mean, I know they're out of the playoff, but like compared to what they could have had, I guess, I, you know, like, like Notre Dame beats USC tonight with, with, with Buckner, but like, regardless, it, it, I still think they're overall pretty happy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, all right. So, what transfer quarterback from the 2022 23 offseason has been a bigger difference maker than Sam Hartman? Shador, I think. Shador. Fair. Um, I don't know if the list goes much longer than that for this past cycle. I don't think Devin Leary is delivered on expectations. I don't think Brendan Armstrong is delivered on expectations. Mertz Altmaier is actually on the road to Maryland. Mertz has not been that bad for you. Mertz, Mertz had a career high today for Florida. Yeah. He did play well. He played. Shout out I to the Gators. It. Thank you for getting my lock for me. Emory Jones, no. No. God, no. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, oh, Plummer at Louisville. Oh, Jag Plummer. Oh, did Louisville lose, Chip? Let's go. <laughs> I'm sorry. Who went two for two on Moneyline Sprinkles? Golly. Did I hit any? <laughs> you hit one. DJ you should have hit Michigan State. D- D- talk to me after week three. DJU's on that list, but you know, yeah, um, mixed bag. That was the most like Louisville Pitt way you could possibly lose that game, right? You outgain him by 150 yards. Pitt's quarterback Christian Vieira looks like he's never played the position before. You throw three interceptions. One's taken back for a touchdown. You outgain him, you know, a ton. You miss a field goal. Brahms like losing his mind on the refs because I guess they blew a couple stuff. Or Doozy just chuckling and like like just loving the whole thing in a complete downpour. It, it was it's like, yeah, I've seen this before. This is this is on brand. I'll tell you who's excited about it is everybody that Pitt plays later. 
Oh God, they got oh, that, yeah. they got that yeah. game out of the way. We we knew that Pat Narduzzi and this pit team had that game against a top fifteen opponent at home. I mean, Florida State's like, whoo. They got they got that no one out November fourth is much less intimidating know that they knowing that they already have gotten that one out of the way. I, I'm not gonna tempt the fates, but yes, one hundred percent agree with you there on that. <laughs> Um, Houston, West Virginia. So watching, I, I, I wish I had pulled this up. You know, like if there was, if there was nothing else happening today and all we had to do was just prepare for an 1130 PM Eastern time podcast, we could have gotten the still shot of Dana Holgerson. No joke with like tear, not tears, but his eyes were watery. As he was looking to the sky, like he just took a shot of some whiskey after West Virginia just busted the coverage and ripped off this long touchdown when Houston had done everything it needed to do to win that football game. And there is no doubt that Dana Holgerson knows what Tom and Bud and me and every one of you knows that man is on the hot seat. It's like, man, did Neil Brown just fire Dana Holgerson? And Dana, he's ripped the headset off, and he's just looking up almost into nowhere. Maybe he's imagining the eclipse that's coming on Saturday. (laughs) And damn, if Houston doesn't come up with a nice little Friday the 13th spooky season kind of miracle. It was Thursday night. You know what I'm saying. Thursday, yeah. Yeah. I was I was just gonna let go. You didn't have to correct it. No, no, but look, look, it almost was midnight. It was like eleven thirty Eastern time when it went down. Batted, caught in the end zone. Houston wins. Did Dana Holgerson's job get saved? On Has Neil Brown night? saved two jobs this year, his own and Dana Holgerson's. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Nobel <is> Peace Prize. <laughs> For West Virginia head coach Neil Brown for saving the job of two different Big 12 coaches. They're wow. going to go bowling. Houston? Yeah. You know, there's they have, they have three wins. They go Texas at K State, at Baylor, Cincinnati, Oak State at UCF. They're going to get three wins out of that, probably. There's a team that's got a transfer QB that probably doesn't want to refund. They're probably pretty happy with Donovan Smith. He's not lighting it up, but he's doing enough for him. Yeah, he's doing enough. He was great on Thursday, especially in the second half of that game. We already talked about West Virginia's secondary and the ambulance that came out. <laughs> when all your defensive backs are getting taken off on stretchers, it's it's hard to expect. I mean, in the same way that, what was it, um, Third quarter, Oregon, Washington, both of Oregon's corners go down on the exact same play. Oh my God. And we go to commercial break. And I'm mm-hmm. like, well, this might be night night for the Ducks, but still showed some fight all the way down. That, that is the first win by a new Big 12 team over a legacy Big 12 team. Oh. The other ones have been 
pretty stomped so far. BYU got crushed by TCU. Cincinnati got smoked at home by Iowa State. UCF went on. I mean, they went on the road, obviously, and and, and lost to Kansas State. No, no shame in that. Uh, but that's that's the first win. Speaking of TCU, shout out to Josh Hoover, who threw for 439 yards and four touchdowns in that game, and reminded me because you know I took BYU as a lock. But Josh Hoover reminded me that there is no better quarterback in the country than Chandler Morris's backup. So that was a bad mistake on my part. What'd you call uh what'd you call him? Min Duggan. Uh, well Robbie calls our friend Robbie Callen calls Chandler Morris Min Duggan. Last year was Max Duggan, and I'm calling Max Josh Hoover Min, <laughs> Mean Duggan. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. It's good stuff. Uh shout out to Avery Johnson. Can stay comes in. It's like eight of nine. Runs around a lot too. True freshman quarterback. That was a huge win for Kansas State to hold on to him in recruiting, and uh, they needed him big time. That was big. Nice win on the road at, at Texas Tech. Texas Tech's just out of quarterbacks now. Yes, like they had to play this freshman kid who's just uh, kind of not playable. I mean, to to be like, I'm not trying to rag on the guy. He's, he's a true freshman. M- most true freshmen are not playable. Dante Moore. Uh, was not particularly playable today, but man, nicely done on like to go on the road in Lubbock and get that with the back quarterback is is pretty impressive. No doubt. Anything else? Save it for Monday, or you no, got it out. Listen, now's the time. Bowling I'm, Green I'm, shout I'm, out. Bowling Green shout out. There's somebody who I'm completely forgetting on. Uh, Oregon State. Uh, UCLA. No, oh, yeah. Tennessee. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I I did not see more than three plays of that entire game. I was in I was in Big Ten Central watching Oregon, Washington, Illinois, Maryland, and Iowa, Wisconsin. Um, AM has better players. Tennessee is home field and better coaches. Agreed. I did not have volume on it. Did not look like a good game. Tennessee winning, and Jordan brought this up in the private chat. Tennessee winning in spite of Joe Milton over Texas A and M is it's a bad sign for the Aggies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, right. good results today. I think for Georgia. As far as like if, if Georgia wants to have a ranked football team on its schedule at the end of the year, it needed Tennessee to beat AM. Because if, if Tennessee had lost to AM at home, Georgia would be lost three, Bama would be lost four, and they basically would have to be perfect in their other games. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a good result, I think, that Missouri beat Kentucky for Georgia. Like it's gonna look better on UGA schedule a month from now. We'll see. I remember. Did you guys watch Florida, South Carolina? No. No. I kind of turned it off when when UF was down ten with like four minutes left and they came back to win. I watched like the last five or six minutes. Like I was I was tracking it that in the in the box score because I was watching other games and I had the Twitter tip on it, but. I turned it on with about five minutes left, so I saw Florida's go-ahead touchdown. 
that was really all I saw. You know how people do the like Jimbo has the same record as Kevin Sumlin through X Games thing? Yeah. Inflation era Kevin Sumlin. That's all I like yeah. to say. Yeah. Uh South Carolina fans are doing that now with Beamer and Muschamp. Ooh. It's the same. Basically. Man, don't flip on him. He's such a nice guy. No, look, we we all thought and I still think that the trajectory of the program is good. I just you got rated in the transfer portal. That doesn't usually happen for an SEC team. It was going to be a step back year. Summer falls, don't dance, just pull up my pants and do the rock away. I lean back, I lean back. Shout out to Fat Joe Milton, get the win against Texas A&M. I know you got ragdolled out there by the Texas A&M defensive line, but whew, you hung in there and got yourself a win at home in Neyland Stadium. Go celebrate at Calhoun's, and you can follow him on Twitter. Oh, you got anything else? I was going to say, shout out UNLV. Oh, yeah, that's right. Our Mountain West Dark Horse. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna see what that cash out is on that tomorrow. <laughs> Maybe it's getting up there to that space where it's like, I don't know, I might need to consider this. You can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Bud Elliott three. You can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. We will be back on Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern time for fun further review, where we will tackle so much more from a crazy chaotic week seven Saturday, gentlemen. Thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all.